What up, y'all? This is All Things 100. I'm your host, Pujols For Real. And it's Wednesday. Time to put that work in. Not that I haven't been doing that all day. As you know, I got my own cleaning business and it's hard work. But I love it, though. I remember when I was in a joint and I used to clean the bathrooms. The showers, the toilets, the urinals, the sinks. And a lot of times I did it by myself. And I'm sure a lot of people would wonder or were wondering why I was sitting there doing these things. I didn't have to. I could have paid somebody to do it. Or I could have just let somebody else who was supposed to be doing it do it. I didn't see it that way, though. At the time, I'm thinking to myself, A, I'm not about to be living in this filth. B, it's got to get done. And C, most importantly, I would say that I was humbling myself. If I don't humble myself now that I'm in the situation and do this, only seeking my Lord's pleasure, what makes me think that when I get out on these streets, he going to give me something better? that he's gonna trust me with something greater. So I was sitting there essentially putting in work, knowing that I was paying my dues, knowing that I was doing it only so that my Lord could see me and say, look at him, <laughs> look at him. He trying to earn something. Everything that he gives us is too great for us to earn. But all we can do is try, all we can do is strive. And whether it's helping people or moving just an object from the road because you don't want anybody else to be hindered by it. This is all to be done for him. So I've been working and it's feeling good. It's feeling real good. I wake up. I go out on punch no clock. I don't have to talk to nobody. I don't have to answer to nobody. I know my job and I do it. It's in the beginning stages. So just like anything else, any business, whenever you're starting, you got to put work in a lot of times by yourself. I'm good with that. I'm good with that. Because I know what it entails. And I'm loving it even more because the possibilities for growth are there and can't be ignored. They need to be prepared for. That's not why we're here tonight, though. I got a subject I would like to speak on. And to be honest with you, this is the fourth episode. For those of, for those of you that have been keeping track, or haven't been keeping track, I should say. And I still haven't touched on anything sports. I was sitting there, chilling, scrolling through my phone, as I do at nighttime. They got me. I could say they got me. I would have never thought that I would be someone who would spend time scrolling through these videos. What I have learned, though, is that the algorithm is a beast. And it will detect your likes, your dislikes, and everything in between, and will feed you. 
and feed you and feed you until you can't go no more. My wife was sitting there and she said, what are you sitting there looking at? What, what, are you, what is it giving you? And I showed her. MJ, Michael Jordan. MJ, MJ, MJ. And some boxing. And LeBron here and there. But it was mostly MJ. I sit there. And I love basketball. I've loved basketball since the age of eight, nine. It was when I came to New York. In the DR, we did it, but we, we didn't have the means to do it appropriately. So we had milk crates that we cut the bottoms out of, or we had hula hoops that we done cut in half and turned in, in, into a little gold. Never had a backboard. So it's hard to like that. You get to New York, though. And they got they got ballers everywhere. They got goals everywhere. And I remember there were times when we actually had to fight with the building next to us just to get on the court. Group fights. I'm talking about Royal Rumble type stuff. Hitting each other with stuff. It was nice being one of four. One of four brothers at the time. But my little brother didn't count. I'll tell you what, though. We was about 10 deep in that building. Because Dominicans, you know, we stick together. And in the South Bronx at that time, it was hard. And I wouldn't necessarily call it racism, but everybody just stuck to themselves. The Puerto Ricans had their floor in school. We had our floor. The blacks had a floor. The whites had a floor. And, you know, in, in my neighborhood, it was all blacks and Dominicans and some Puerto Ricans. But we would fight to get on that court. I remember when I was told that I couldn't get on the court. They told me, if you want to get on the court, you got to be able to hold him and get rebounds. You can't do nothing else. So alhamdulillah, I sat there and I studied what I was supposed to do, and I did it. To this day, the only basketball jersey I've ever owned is a Dennis Rodman jersey that my daughter ruined, I don't know how, when I was gone. I had them look through my things just so they can get a sense of my style a little bit. Being that they were raised by their mother while I was gone. And my daughters, they both took a jersey. One of them took a baseball jersey and the other one took a basketball jersey. And it was Dennis Robin, 91, Chicago Bulls. And that's how I played. With that same type of intensity, running my mouth. And until I got incarcerated, I never really played, played offense. I was always rebound, pass, or finish at the goal on a rebound. I had my mans. We had our squad. Joel, my older brother, he about a year and a half older than me. He was a shooter, handler. Giovanni was a straight point guard. Carlos, pretty boy, shooting jumpers. That's all about he did. And me, I was running that paint. I was talking crazy. I was getting them rebounds, letting them know this is my ball. Watch out. That's me. Ready to fight, too. <laughs> ready to fight because dudes was getting in their feelings, you know. And it got to the point where my Dennis Rodman jersey was fitting me too tight because I got it when I was like 14, 15. And I was rocking it all the way till I got locked up. I ain't going to front. I ain't going to lie. It's just who I am. It was my jersey. They was talking crazy, talking about how small it was. It looked like a wife beater for real. If I would have had it when I came back home, I probably would have rocked that joint as a wife beater or undershirt or something. 
They get to talking crazy about the jersey. That's when I turn up. I get to talking reckless, but never disrespectful. I just let them know I was running that paint. But that's neither here nor there now. I don't play no more. I tore my ACL in prison, had the ACL surgery, then my meniscus, then the other meniscus on the other leg. So I done had too many surgeries, you know. If I get on the court now, it's going to be on that 40 and over stuff, you know. <laughs> I just turned 40, so them old heads better watch out because I don't feel 40. So we're here to talk basketball, obviously. And the reason I want to talk basketball today is because I've been hearing about this Victor Wembanyama went number one in the draft from France, and they say he's the, the greatest prospect the league has ever seen and i'm like dang for real a league that had lebron james in the cover of sports illustrated before he even came in a league that had well i ain't gonna say a young kobe but we had some phenoms though that came through that league and at the end of the day i'm looking i'm paying attention because they say he's seven three seven four and i've been seeing the highlights I catched the, I caught a couple of them games in the during the league on league pass. And the hype is real. The hype is real. I never seen a dude with that type of handle, that type of finesse, that type of jumper, shooting fadeaways from three, doing things that ain't no way he supposed to be doing. That's no seven foot four dude. Lanky. They talking about he ain't big enough, but the man 220 and he young. Ain't even 20. You got to understand one thing. I'm seeing it, and I'm feeling like the only thing that can stop that man is health. Not to say that he's fragile. Not to say he can't handle it because some people just built different. And he just looked like he a different type of lanky. Like he a wiry dude. Kevin Garnett type stuff is what I'm thinking. But with a J like that and finishing at the rim, and cocking that thing back and handling that rock. How you gonna stop that? How you gonna stop that? Basketball is a tall man's game. Yeah, you got exceptions, but anybody that could do the same thing as somebody else, but except they about six, seven inches taller, that's an asset. That's an asset. That's an advantage that most people would never experience. So they say, should he be a bigger prospect than LeBron James? As of right now, that's hard to say. All I can say, though, is that I understand exactly why it's being brought up. And I'm also understanding the way the foreigners is playing this basketball game. The way they come in more polished, with more of an all-around game, like a Luka Doncic. A Luka Doncic that been playing pro since he was young and came in the league since day one been running with them boys and been showing them how he get down. That swag, that intensity, that competitiveness. See, you can't coach these things. You can't teach these things. Sometimes you might learn these things. But if you got it, you got it. If you don't, that's hard to come by. Look at LeBron James say. It took my man, what, about eight, nine, ten years to learn how to think like a killer? And then try to be one. You either got it or you don't. 
Skill set is one thing, but intangibles that can be measured is a whole nother thing. And this is where a dude like LeBron, LeBron, in my opinion, is lacking. And I'm not going to take nothing away from Brian Brian, man. We talking one of the greatest ever. And as far as physical specimen goes, the greatest ever in my book. And all I got to say is you can't knock the man for anything. But my my problem is when they get to talking about GOAT, when they get to saying that he better than Jake, better than Jordan. I don't even see Kobe. And I'm telling you why. It's because of the killer instinct. Kobe had it. He came in with it. Yeah, he had to develop his game, but his mentality and his heart and his toughness was second to none. And Jay, Jordan, that man? Come on, man. Why people do that, I don't even understand. It's okay to be the second greatest ever or third or fourth, whatever it may be, but you ain't got to be number one. Not in the league that had Jordan. And all I know is this. I'm going to put some context to this. Me, I was the biggest LeBron fan when LeBron came in the league. And that was the case. Why? Because the way he played. Because of the, the way he came on that fast break. The way he threw it down. The way he came to his hometown. And the way... We hadn't seen anything physical like that. A physical specimen that was quick as anybody, bigger than most, stronger than all. It was something, something beautiful. And like I said, him coming home and doing it in Cleveland, that, that's, that's what it was to me. And it all stopped whenever he made the decision to go to Miami. And why is that? First of all, I felt like how are you going to leave your hometown, your own hometown? To me, that was crazy. And on top of that, I'm a New York Knicks fan since I was young. I've said before that you got to watch a man that don't root for the home team. And I came to New York City when I was seven years old. So naturally, I rooted for the Knicks. At the time that LeBron went to free agency, the Knicks had a complete playoff squad. Playoff squad. Had shooting, had big men, had point guard, had everything that he would have needed to take him to the next step. And all I'm saying is, if you got a playoff team, I've seen what LeBron does when you put him on a team that wasn't even in the playoffs. You've seen what he did when he came back to Cleveland. And we'll get to that later. But... When you got a team in New York City and a fan base that's waiting for you, that's been printing your name on their jerseys and been rocking you for a year or two, just knowing that you about to come to what they call the Mecca of basketball. If LeBron ever wanted to be greater than Jay or considered number one, he had to come do it to the one place that would be recognized by everyone as the spot to be. You bring that franchise back and you bring them to, to the promised land after not having the championship since 73 and still being the biggest or one of the biggest franchises and biggest markets that you got out here. They say that's the capital of the world. 
So if you want to be king, you want to be king, you got to go sit in the throne that's recognized like that. So you got the chance to go to New York and have a playoff team. And you're going to tell me that you being the man, you can't get people to come to New York. Say if you want a piece of weight. If you was a piece of weight, then you come to New York and then you get that piece. Why? Because anybody that knows basketball knows that people keep track of their numbers when they hit the garden. It's that place. And you skip to you skip that to go to Miami with Wade. And you talk Boston to coming down there. So y'all get in cahoots and y'all make this move and land up in Miami. Then you had his press conference in which you said not one, not two, not three, not four, not five. Not, I think you stopped about seven. Might have said not seven. Didn't say not eight, but didn't say, but you did say not seven. I'm pretty sure. So you had that press conference and get introduced in the way you did. And then you only win two out of four. And the one against Dallas was solely on your shoulders because you melted. I remember when they was having a press conference and Wade had to tell you you could be big dog. That he was going to take a backseat to you. That's crazy. Now, could you imagine that being the case with Jordan? I'm pretty sure I've heard all the Hall of Famers or most of the Hall of Famers that were in the 1992 Olympics say that they were at a practice and Jordan turned up on them and they knew who was the guy. Now, we're talking about some of the greatest basketballs, basketball players ever, ever, all together, and him slaying them all and having them say, he's that guy. I'm talking about the same guy that Larry Bird, one of the legends of this game, said that blasphemous line about We talking about that guy. Nah. You would never have to tell him he's the man on the team. Why? Because everybody would know. Now, people talk about separating accolades. But how could you do that in sports? How many scoring championships, scoring titles does Michael Jordan have compared to LeBron? That ultimately makes him a better scorer, easily. No, hands down, easily. How many defensive player of the year does LeBron have? How many all defensive first teams did LeBron make compared to Jordan? Now, okay, you want to say that he's had the greatest longevity in the game and a great specimen like that that hasn't didn't get hurt for like his first however many years? Okay. Say that if you want to. But who played more games in all them seasons? Who played 82 games in most seasons? That'll be Jordan. That'll be Jordan. 
leadership. Could we even speak on that? Should we even have to? I'm going to a little bit. LeBron always needed help. He made that very clear. Jordan didn't. And I heard the GM of that team say that Jordan never one time asked for any player to be traded away from that team or to that team. He said part of it was because he thought he was that dang good. (laughs) Boy, that's a bad man. And we saw they want to knock him for the way he was a quote-unquote tyrant or he was hard on his teammates or this and that. But I heard Jay say, I never asked anybody to do something that I didn't do. And the guys that played with him know that ultimately they got to where they went because of the way he approached them and because he accounted for all of the attitude that they had on this team. He would get on these guys and let them guys know how they had to play and when they had to play. At practice, he led by example. And when it comes down to to clutch and carrying the team when it had to be carried, he did that. It wasn't all he making the right basketball play, this and that. No, you want him to pass the ball, triple team. Leave him no choice. And And then he might pass. And compare that with LeBron. I say that LeBron's always needed help. Okay, he proved that. He went to to Miami, got with Wade, got with Bosch. And then as soon as that went sour, he rolled out on them guys. Came back to Cleveland. Why? Because he saw a young killer over there. Got back to Cleveland, had a young killer in Kyrie, who he had been seeing making moves out there and who got a handle second to none in the history of the league as far as I'm concerned and can finish at that rim with anybody at any size. But then what happens? You got the number one pick, Andrew Wiggins, coming into the league. Athletic, sky's the limit for that guy coming in. And all I got to say is, You had him traded for love because you needed more help. Had you been a leader, you could have took that young young man coming into the league and showed him what work is. You could have showed him exactly how to be the type of player you needed on your team. And a blank slate like that, I'll, I'll say one thing about Andrew Wiggins. You see what happened to him as soon as he got around some good coaching and leaders on the floor, all-star after eight seasons in the league. And a lot of times, people ain't put in position to shine or to do the right thing. But as soon as he got over there, his three-point shooting improved, and he became a different guy. And on defense, he locked down. Now, imagine what a fast break would have looked like between LeBron James and Andrew Wiggins coming into the league. And then you put Kyrie Irving with that. And with a rookie deal, you got more money to pick up somebody else. Now you think about that. But he passed that up for a spot-up shooter and part-time rebounder. 
Kevin Love was never the player that he was in Minnesota when he got to Cleveland. I'm not saying he ain't solid, but I'm saying you traded that young man and them picks and them assets for what? A spot-up shooter. So, see, people fail to recognize and actually vocalize the fact that LeBron is always depleting rosters. Why is that? Because he always needs help. So when he got to, to the Lakers, he turned them from one of the youngest teams in the league with potential to do whatever into the oldest team in the league. <laughs> Russell Westbrook as the gonna be savior. He did that to him. You understand? So all I'm saying is Hart was a good shooter. He was there. Ingram has turned into a, a straight-up scorer and a grown man in this league. He was there. Julius Randle, who's never been a number one and folded under the pressure of New York City, but that's only because he's not supposed to be a number one. He's being asked to do number one things, but look at what he took his game to. And then you got Alonzo Ball, who ain't been able to stay healthy, but when, when he has been healthy, he's been a solid NBA player. So you take them four guys and you trade them away for Davis, a man who can't stay healthy, a man who you, him, in the bubble won a championship. Yeah, congratulations. All I'm saying is you took that team from the youngest, could have been a killer team, to the oldest team, washed up, playing with dudes off the streets. Now think about that. You mean to tell me that a leader gets potential and assets like that on his squad and the first thing he thinks about is getting rid of them instead of galvanizing them, teaching them how to play that ball in the NBA? Dudes that's been looking up to you. You could have took them dudes, told them what they do, told them how to work out, when to work out. And you could have led by example like MJ did. And y'all could have been Gucci for the next 5, 10, 15, as long as you wanted to play. Now think about that. So all I'm saying is apples is apples and oranges is oranges. They're not the same. They're not even in the same league. They're not even in the same category. I'm telling you. It's facts. It's facts. <laughs> as far as Victor Wimbanyama goes, man. Wimbanyama. Wimbanyama. I gotta I gotta get that I gotta get that down, you know what I mean? As long as that man goes, that young man, I got a good feeling about him. And I'm gonna have to speak basketball again coming up soon sometime. Because I ain't even spoke about the people I root for. You know what I mean? Because I got some, some dudes in the NBA I root for. But as far as MJ and LeBron go, it makes for great conversation if you ain't thinking right. But if you got a head on your shoulders, you know what time it is. Just recognize. It's all.